0: Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I am the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I am happy to be with you again this week as we tackle the fourth in our five-part series on the total return, total return wealth. One of the most powerful elements of multifamily real estate is wealth creation. I, I don't know that it's possible to overstate how impactful investing in real estate in general, but in particular investing in multifamily real estate, can be in terms of creating true wealth for you, your family, uh, and your uh, descendants. And that's what we're going to talk about this week. As always, if you have questions, shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. Please do not hesitate to take a swing by the uh, learning center at marapolling.com. That's where you'll get a chance to look at lots of great content that we we have there, uh, recorded webinars, as well as links to uh, lots of other great content. I would encourage you to swing by the webinar section as we are getting ready to host our uh, next uh, webinar, which is titled The Recovery. It will be on the 31st, starting at 11 out west and uh, 2 p.m. in the east. Uh, That's March 31st for those of you that might be listening to this in the future. Uh, And if you are, you can go to the learning center and you can uh, watch the recording of the session. If you are not going to be available on the 31st, please go ahead and register. That will allow us to get you the recording and the other uh, content, the other packet of materials and so on, uh, very quickly following the session uh, before we even get a chance to put it up for uh, public consumption. So uh, please uh, look into that. And with that, let's uh, let's dive into this week's material. So I said this is the fourth of a five part series. Uh, we are looking at the aspects of the total return, which can be used for uh, you to, analyze potential investments in multifamily, whether it's with Mara Polling or another sponsor or something you might be doing on your own. And I think it's also a useful tool to use in terms of identifying where your strike zone is, if you will. What are the things that are really critical to you that you want to absolutely prioritize? And then what are the other items that you have interest in, uh, but you're willing to maybe trade a little of them off in order to get your priorities taken care of? We have addressed these items as uh, security, stability, cash, which is what we talked about last week, this week, equity growth or wealth creation, and then we're going to finish up next week with uh, taxes. So if you were an investor who was looking at your overall portfolio of investments, you've got some cash, you've got some, maybe you've got some gold, you've got some large cap stocks and small cap stocks and some bonds and maybe an annuity. And you've got a whole bunch of different things. And you're thinking, I want to add real estate. And the box I really want to check is I want to create some wealth. I want to, uh, in my retirement, have uh, some wealth available to myself so that I can do some amazing things, uh, whether it might be uh, travel uh, or taking care of friends and family, or philanthropic work, uh, and I want to leave wealth for my heirs. I want my children, my grandchildren, my great grandchildren. I want my great grandchildren to be able to go to college, and you know, a high end education today, right? So, a uh, an Ivy League school, or you know, Stanford out on the West Coast, Berkeley, you know, whatever it is you might be talking about, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars for these educations. It's not unreasonable to think that somewhere down the road, an amazing education like that might cost a million dollars. How on earth would anybody be able to afford to do that? Well, they'll do that because grandpa or great-grandma put some money in real estate and did it intelligently. And so that's really a wonderful opportunity that we have by investing in real estate. And if that's what I want to maximize, if I want that to be my number one objective, then there's a couple of things that we'll talk about today that I think can allow you to do that. Let me start with, unlike cash generation, wealth creation, I don't believe, requires as significant a trade-off in terms of security and stability, in other words, the risk factors. You don't have to be overly risky with an investment to generate wealth. And the reason for that is wealth creation, because it's not, I need to be this much wealthier in a year, because it's a longer term activity, that longer term nature of the investment gives you the ability to also manage risk. So I think it's fairly reasonable to expect if you were trying to maximize the creation of wealth, that you could do that in an environment where you really wouldn't have to give up much, if anything, in terms of security and stability. The trade-off will be uh, cash. You're going to trade cash for the growth in equity. uh, And you you may or may not have any tax impacts. We'll talk about that a little bit because uh, there's a couple of different tax strategies that can be uh, used uh, when you're looking at trying to generate wealth long-term. So uh, like I said, cash is nice, great to have, uh, and any investment you're going to make in multifamily is going to have a cash component. It's just the nature of the beast. Uh, but if we want to prioritize the growth in equity, some of the things we would do is one we would look for an asset that has the ability for us to grow the net operating income now net operating income is revenue so tenants pay rent and other fees expenses. We pay things like property taxes and utility bills and the on-site staff and those sorts of things. And we've got money left over. That money that's left over is net operating income. It is the metric, the tool that is used when we compare one asset to another asset. And that's true in the investing space. If I'm going to look at purchasing an asset, I'm really looking at purchasing the flow of net operating income. And I'm interested in how I could grow that. Because unlike a residential real estate investment that grows in value because other residential real estate around me goes up in value a commercial investment goes up because it can generate more income. So if I can grow my NOI 20% and an identical property across the street keeps their NOI flat, my property is worth 20% more, even though We've, neither one of us have changed anything about our properties. I'm just running mine better and getting more income, and therefore it's more valuable in that commercial space. So I want to seek out properties that have that kind of upside. Now, you can do that in a very aggressive manner, right? You can go out and look for properties that are very distressed, that you're going to buy for, uh, you know, 50 cents on the dollar from what they really ought to trade at were they in healthy condition, And then you're going to fix them and you're going to flip them and move on. And you can do that. There's a lot of transaction costs when you're doing those sorts of things. Uh, Obviously, there's the risk that the plan doesn't work. And there's the risk that when you're trying to move into or out of assets, the market temporarily moves against you. So those are the instances where that kind of a wealth strategy uh, probably puts you in a position where you are taking on incremental risk. But you can... Implement a wealth strategy without having to do those kinds of things. And that would be looking for properties where you can grow the NOI. We're in favor of moving revenues on the order of uh, 10 to 15 to 20 percent. We think that kind of revenue growth, while you can hold the line on expenses, that that creates the right kind of opportunity to get a very solid growth curve going in terms of NOI. And as that NOI grows over the first year, second year, and then generally really takes off in the third, fourth, fifth years, you get to a place where you have built up some very nice equity in the property. Unfortunately, that equity is not doing anything. It's what we call lazy equity. So we're growing NOI we get this growth in value of the asset which is wonderful and we get this lazy equity it's if you will it's kind of like buying a share of stock for $100 and it goes up to $130 you're like wow i've made $30 well You don't have the $30. It's $30 on paper. And yes, it is real value because you could sell those that share a stock that day and get your $30 of profit. Um, But... It's not that extra $30 isn't doing anything for you. You're not necessarily earning any return on it. It is lazy equity. Well, the same thing happens in a piece of real estate, right? If we invest a million dollars in a property and we're able to turn that million dollars into one and a half million dollars, if it's still just in that very same property, we're not getting any extra cash flow because of that. Uh, We're not getting any more rapid increase in wealth or uh, equity because of that. That extra half million is just kind of sitting there. So we want to liberate that when we're looking at a wealth creation strategy. And in order to do that, we can do a couple of different things. Uh, One of them is we can tap that lazy equity by either putting some additional debt so we can borrow that money out, or we could refinance the original debt. And in doing so, also take uh, some, not all, but uh, a decent portion. Maybe in my example of half a million dollars, we could take $300,000 out, uh, as an example, or three hundred and fifty. Uh, and then those dollars, instead of using them as cash and going and having fun with them, those go into another investment. And, and help us do something more, and they begin to grow in value, and they begin to generate um, equity growth and cash and so on. Either one of those strategies, a supplemental loan or a refinance, is not a taxable event. So there's no tax paid on that cash that is taken out in order to reinvest it and, and accelerate the growth uh, in the value of my original investment. Another way we can achieve the exact same objective is to sell the asset via a 1031 exchange and then purchase a replacement asset in which we roll all of that gain over, all that million and a half, right? So the original million plus half million extra that we've made, we roll that into a new asset. And in doing so, we defer the tax associated with that And by deferring that tax, we now own a larger asset in which we only have a modest investment, right? We own an asset that takes a million and a half dollars to buy it, but we only have a million dollars really invested in it because that's all we've put at risk from the very beginning. So our returns go up significantly, the wealth creation in particular, and yet, again, we don't have any tax burden uh, while we're doing that. We're effectively getting an interest-free loan from the federal government. Think about that half million dollars. If we just sold the asset and recovered that money, we would owe tax on that half million dollars. And we'll just say, uh, let's just say it's uh, 25%, right? So 25% on a half a million dollars is 125000 Well, we, because we're deferring the tax, we aren't paying that hundred and twenty-five. Someday it potentially gets paid down the road, but right now we don't have to pay it, which means the federal government is basically loaning us $125,000 interest-free. We will eventually pay it. Uh, as I said, with one exception, and that's the step-up in basis exemption. But setting that aside, it will eventually get paid. It's a deferral, but we're getting to use that money. And that 125 allows us to uh, buy a larger asset, to generate a higher return, and to um, and to generate more equity growth as we go forward. So finding properties where we can grow NOI... And, and do so in a very meaningful way, but again, within, in our minds, some security and stability parameters. And then as we grow that NOI and the resultant value, looking how we can take that value out and get it to work so that we can grow even uh, faster and larger. Now, another way we can accelerate the equity side of this is, as I said, is to trade off some cash. So we can acquire assets and design their debt in such a way and their capital stacks in such a way in which we generate a very small amount of distributable cash. This would include things like maybe not having a loan that's an interest-only loan. We might have an amortizing loan right away, meaning we wouldn't just pay interest, but we would pay principal as well. Generally, principal payments generate about a 3%, maybe 4% return on equity every year just by virtue of paying down the balance on the note. And again, if we're going to do a refinance or some supplemental debt down the road, paying that balance down puts us in a position where we potentially could access that uh, later on and saves us interest expense along the way because we have a principal balance that's declining. So that's a good thing. But we can also structure it so that the cash that's generated feeds back into the system to support some of the value-add investments that we're making. So it might be something like the cash generated from the first quarter and the second quarter of operations goes in to be used to fund the improvements that are made maybe in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, or at least to partially fund some of those. That allows us to grow the NOI line because we're getting that extra rent from doing the value-add work without putting additional capital into the system from that standpoint. So my original investment of a million dollars, I don't then have to come up with another couple hundred thousand on top of it to do some improvements. That million dollars takes care of it because the cash that's generated gets fed back into the system. So that's another tool we can use if we want to focus on the creation of wealth. There are limits on that, though. There's only so many improvements to be made at an asset. And at some point in time, we'll get to the place where, well, there's nothing else I can do with that cash. It's simply going to get generated. And while the cash flow is nice, on a million dollars, if you were seeing, say, an 8% cash return, that's $80,000 a year. Well, that's $80,000 a year. That's, uh, I don't even know what that is a month. It's less than $7,000 a month, $6,700 a month, something like that. I can't really go reinvest $6,700 a month in some other investment, right? I can't go buy another property and put $6,700 a month in. There's not a mechanism to do that. And that's one of the reasons why when we can do a refinance um, or a supplemental loan and take a large chunk of cash out, take a half a million dollars out, that's something we could conceivably invest in another property that would allow us to get that wealth creation going. So when we do these things, we can put ourselves in a position where we could see a doubling in the value of our original investment, something in the neighborhood of maybe five to seven years. So let's let's use seven years as an example, I think that's a pretty conservative number, but if you just looked at it that way, a $1 million investment could, over the course of seven years, become a $2 million investment. Okay, so we're seven years down the line, and we're at $2 million. Then we go seven more years, right, and we 1031 into a new asset, and we keep the machine going, and now our original $1 million investment that doubled to two has now doubled to 4 million. And we go another 7 years, so we're 21 years down the line and our most recent 4 million dollar investment has now become an 8 million dollar investment. And let's say we go one more 7 year cycle, so we're at 28 years, we'll even round up and call it 30 years. So in 30 years, we could take a million dollars and turn it into $16 million. Now, there'd probably be some tax exposure along the way and some taxes that need to be paid. And I think that's a fairly conservative estimate. I think it could be done in a shorter period of time. But essentially, in what most folks would describe as a generation, right over in 30 years, a uh, million dollars could become $16 million. Uh, and if you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you have a million dollars to invest... That's a fairly significant increase in wealth if you have $100,000 to invest and can find the right vehicles to invest in. Again, whether it's a syndication with Mara Poling or like our total return fund or with another sponsor out there where there is more of a focus on um, either a balanced return as ours is uh, or equity growth. Uh, that you could do that. Now, the reason I mention our total return fund, and this is not a pitch for the fund, this is just some explanation of how this can work, our fund happens to be structured in such a way that our members can reinvest their distributions, which essentially allows you to make it an equity-oriented investment as opposed to a balanced cash and equity growth investment. Uh, And many of our members, uh, in fact, uh, do that. So that's something to keep in mind when you're looking for Uh, a sponsored investment, a passive investment, if you want to focus on equity growth, uh, you might inquire as to whether or not there is the ability to reinvest uh, distributions. But if you could do that, you could put $100,000 away, which if you're an accredited investor, that's something in the neighborhood of maybe 10% or so of what your uh, total investable portfolio is. Uh, And you could turn that into a million six over the course of a generation, you know if you if you 've got teenagers today, uh, you could leave those teenagers a uh, million six instead of a hundred thousand uh, dollars when you get to that point in life that you 're transitioning and If managed inside for example, a trust, that doesn 't have to stop right It can continue, and that 's one of the reasons why we encourage you all to if you don 't have an estate plan put one in place, at least spend the time and energy to find an estate attorney, and have a conversation with them. If wealth creation is of interest to you, there are some uh, very important things you want to do in terms of how you structure your assets, how you title them, uh, and you want to stay current with what's going on uh, in the estate planning world uh, relative to taxes. And we'll talk about taxes next week in more detail. Uh, but part of what makes wealth creation work is our ability to defer tax exposure so that those dollars can continue to work for us and then pay the tax man when the time uh, comes down the road. So NOI growth uh, as, a, uh, as a focus, uh, looking at managing taxes intelligently, getting lazy equity uh, to, uh, uh, to work for us, Uh, All of those are really valuable when it comes to uh, growing equity and are not inconsistent with being secure and stable in terms of an investment. You can accelerate that equity growth by trading some cash off against it, uh, which is, for many folks, is going to be the right play. Uh, And by the way, that's also something that can be done and changed as a strategy over time. So, for example, we have clients that we work with who are at a phase in their life where the cash flow is not critical because they are still working. And so we help them put investments together that are very equity oriented with the expectation that at some point in time in their life, they're going to want cash flow from those assets so that, Million dollars that becomes two, that becomes four. Maybe when it becomes four million, the focus isn't as much on the growth in the equity. It's a little more balanced. Well, a four million dollar asset at um, at eight percent is generating $320,000 a year of cash flow, as opposed to the $80,000 you might have seen from the million dollar uh, investment. So that's a significant amount of cash flow and they got there by virtue of letting it grow through a couple of cycles before they started looking to draw cash out. So that could be part of a wealth strategy as well, as to generate wealth with the expectation that it will eventually generate income uh, and, and work from that standpoint. If you have questions about how you might put a plan together for yourself, and again, this is whether you're building your own portfolio or working with other sponsors, or if you happen to be one of our clients or are thinking about that. Don't hesitate to reach out. I I have this kind of conversation every week with a number of folks, uh, giving them some ideas on simply how to do some of the thought work in terms of how to put this kind of a plan together. Uh, As you may be able to tell from today's session, I like every component in the total return. I I think all of them are great, and I enjoy uh, being able to generate all of that for the folks that we work with. Wealth creation is really exciting, I think, because it's something you can do in real estate that you I just don't think you can do elsewhere. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that there are some tax benefits that allow us to uh, to make all that work. And that's going to be next week's topic. So next week will be total return uh, taxes. Uh, so please join us uh, for that. Don't forget to swing by uh, the Learning Center at marapolling.com. M A R A P O L I N G dot com and register for the uh, Recovery 2021 webinar coming up on the 31st. And I will look forward to seeing you next week on our next episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling.